1: Really appreciate you tuning in
2: tonight, five minutes after seven. Man, football's getting into the uh, meat of the CFL season. NFL's going to start soon. Uh, U-sports football, actually the Golden Bears have an exhibition game tomorrow. They're uh, coming off a uh, long-awaited playoff appearance last season. And of course, junior hockey rolling. I want to tell you this, all Edmonton Oil Kings games go on sale tomorrow. At 10 o'clock, how convenient is that? They got the home opener Friday, September 21st. That's against the Red Deer Rebels. Uh, The Teddy Bear Toss, that's always a highlight. That's going to be Saturday, December 8th. Those games, all of them, go on sale tomorrow. Tickets start at 20 bucks. Simply go to oilkings.ca. And uh, pleased to be joined, meeting uh, him in person for the first time, the new head coach of your Edmonton Oil Kings, it is Brad Lauer. Brad, great to see you.
0: Great to have me. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I got to talk to you, uh, I guess, during a conference call, I believe, when you, yeah. when you were hired. So you're in the process of uh, making the long move from Tampa, Tampa <laughs> to, uh, to Edmonton. Now, now, the good news is uh, you're Canadian. Yes. Uh, your wife is Canadian, and your kids were born in Canada. So there's not going to be too much of a culture shock
0: or a weather shock. You've been through it. Well, I've been through the winter uh, part for sure. It's been a, it's been a while, though, obviously, uh, uh, my last eight years, I've been very fortunate of being the south with Anaheim and, and Tampa. But uh, I can remember the winters. Uh, my my girls, though, on the other hand, uh, they haven't experienced a, a good winter since okay. about ten years ago. So uh, my oldest daughter said, at least she can wear UGGs now for the winter. I said, you might get away till the end of October with those, and then you have to change. But uh, we're looking forward to it. We're excited.
2: Well. Uh, you know you're back in Canada. And I'm pleased to see you walking in here with a Tim Hortons <laughs> coffee. So <laughs> I miss that. You, you didn't lose that part of it. living in the, in the southern states for sure. Yeah. Hey, you know, but 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 let let let's start there uh, with, with the last couple of seasons with the Lightning. Yeah. I mean, man, there's a lot of talent. Eiserman uh, went out and 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 yeah. got you the guys you needed, but. Then in the playoffs, uh, who's hot, who's getting a bounce? And, uh, you know, I guess yeah. you guys were on the wrong end of the, the Capitals finally coming through.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, a couple of years. I mean, my first year, I went in three years ago, I went in there. We went to the conference finals also, and, and unfortunately, we, we, we didn't win. But, you know, and then last year against the Capitals, and again... the you know, there's a lot of luck. Once you get down to the Final Four in the NHL playoffs, there's, there's, there's a lot of luck that goes with it. It's, it's, it's the top four teams in the league, and um, to get there is accomplishment. Obviously, you want to win, win that, that, that trophy for sure, but, um, you know, Washington played a heck of a series against us. They were as skilled as us, but the, I, think, I think the biggest thing on that series is that they were a little bit heavier than us and a little more physical um, uh, during, during the games, and I think that kind of wore us down a little bit.
2: I don't want to make it sound like he was an out of nowhere type player, but maybe he elevated beyond what people would have thought. But I mean, Nikita Kucherov. I mean, yeah. Yeah. What? What are you like? Did you did you think he could bust through to the level that he did?
0: You know, I mean, uh, I tell a lot of guys they ask me about 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 the guys. So the guys on the on the the Tampa Bay Lightning team and. nikita kucherov i think is one of the best players in the in the nhl skill wise um not not that he's the i mean he is i think he's one of the best but if you would see him work on a day-to-day basis um you'd realize and and see what and why he is that good i mean he is one of the he's one of the first guys in, in the dressing room during uh before practice he's, he's there two hours before practice he's getting his sticks ready he's doing the little things he really works on his game a lot um he spends he, he he's, he's a true professional he's, he, he spends the extra time after practice we work on a lot of different things he's not just working on one thing in his game it's uh, there's a lot of things he does and and it, it shows and it shows in his game and and i i believe he's one of the best in the game it's, it's amazing how often I hear that
2: about the guys who elevate. I mean, sure, yeah. there's there's natural ability, and, and yeah. it's you know to be physically strong, but yeah, like like I'm, I use this in a, in a positive. Like you almost have to be a nerd, like a hockey nerd.
0: You, you, you know, do, for yeah, whatever right, you yeah. want to pursue, no, I, I you have agree. to like what you do so much. I, I, I would agree with that. I would I, I would definitely agree with that it's it's just you know it's just guys that uh, they they want to invest in their game, and um, obviously there there's financial rewards. Uh, for sure. them now I uh, I mean to make a lot of money and and but uh, his off ice is is second to none um, the, the way he trains the way he can, uh, carries himself uh, off the ice um, he's a he's a true professional and I can honestly say he's a real enjoy person I was able to coach
2: all right so uh, now the transition for you to uh, head coach of the MC well speaking of doing what you love where where did the coaching bug? come for you? I mean, you played in the NHL, you played pro
0: yeah, hockey. Yeah, you know, it probably didn't happen until towards the end of my career. I was kind of, I was in the Dallas farm system in, in um, Salt Lake City playing for the Utah Grizzlies there in the IHL then. Um, kind of got the bug there working with uh, some of the coaches that were there. they They kind of gave me some some time to to help them out because back then you only had a one or two coach system, so there was wasn't a lot of guys to help out. So um, kind of got the bug towards the end of my career, and and I was very fortunate when I retired that um, you know I was looking for for an opportunity, H- had some interviews, and and I was fortunate enough to be be hired by the Kootenay Ice to, to start my coaching career.
2: When you played in the, I mean, I was I brought up your hockey DB page. I'm trying to look back.
0: Uh, you would have had Keenan. I had Mike yes did you have arbor at all i had yeah I had Arbor and did you have Bowman i had uh I did not have Scotty, but I rode the elevator with Scotty a lot of times this <laughs> last winter in, in Tampa oh he's, nice. he spends the winters down there, so Scotty and I have had many conversations uh, uh over the over the last couple of years he's he's a hockey he's a he's a hockey. A hockey mind that is uh he is fun to talk to
2: yeah well i was just thinking about if any of your nhl coaches influenced you i know uh mike keenan influenced rob brown i don't <laughs> know in the way that rob <laughs> liked necessarily <laughs> I, I,
0: I got a few stories of robbie and myself being in chicago system but it, it is quite uh quite funny and uh <laughs> i know what brownie's saying there <laughs>
2: Like, you better have a good warm-up, even,
0: or you might Warm-up, be... uh, that, that wasn't uncommon, I, and I tell you, I, I, that's the honest God's truth. I remember uh, playing in the old Chicago Stadium, and and uh, you'd be out for a warm-up, and you'd come down, and Mike would be sitting at the door lo- lo- waiting for you, and he'd grab guys, he goes, uh, How was your warm-up? And the guys go, would go, well, I th- I'm Good, good. And then he'd call you, and he goes... If that's your warm-up, I can't imagine how bad your game's going to be. He says, that that's you're not playing tonight. And guy's undressed because of their warm-up, and, and that's the God-honest truth.
2: That, that almost <laughs> sounds like an uncomfortable environment to me, though. I mean, I don't, I don't want to bring you on here to slag Mike Keenan. No, 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 he's a good You're agreeable. in the coaching for yeah. jury too, but... Yeah, I was like wow, no, you know, that's all. Like, what do you expect from the warm-up? Yeah,
0: no, but but you know, back then was a little different. The game was was, was different. What was played differently for sure, and uh, the coaching was differently. Still good coaching, just uh, a, a different way of coaching players. You know, and at that point, that was the norm. Um, to make sure you're ready to to be be ready to play, and that that was Mike's way. And not saying it was right or wrong, but um, he had some. He coached some really good teams. he's, he's won a Stanley Cup. You know, that, that doesn't mean it was wrong or, or at all, but um, he, he was a heck of a coach. Yeah.
2: Brad Lauer joining us in studio, new head coach of, uh, of the Edmonton Oil Kings, uh, talking about recently being an assistant with Tampa, obviously an assistant with uh, Anaheim and Ottawa, and uh, Kootenai, I'm missing one.
0: I was in Milwaukee. Before and in Milwaukee. Kirby, yeah. you, were you with Herbers at all? No, actually, you Herbie, Herbie came in years. after I left. Okay. When I left, Herbie came in there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, and now uh, Herber's back with the U of A
2: yeah. Golden Bears. He'll have a decent roster, I think.
0: Yeah, no, he's a good <laughs> man. He's a good coach. And, uh, he'll do He'll do well. He's, he's a good guy, and he knows his stuff. Uh, uh he's he did he's he's had a really good career in coaching too
2: do you uh you've, you've coached in the who before uh do, do, you, or do you have to treat or how do you treat the the teens the guys hoping to be pros how do you treat them differently than the pros if at all
0: well you know i think i think the biggest thing and, and I've, you know it's a question that's been asked a lot and you know if I've, I've asked other coaches obviously um to go around i, I think i got to be myself for sure is one thing um there's got to be some accountability. It doesn't matter if you're pro or if you're 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 in junior hockey. I think it's 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 important to have the accountability of their play, um, how they carry themselves, how they conduct themselves. Um, I think the biggest thing with today's kids, and that's. Even with, with raising my kids, you got to have communication with them. I think it's very important for them to know um, you know what what's the plan where where we're going, what what we're expecting. Um, I think that's the biggest thing for for kids, and I understand in my part of it. I mean, obviously been away for a little bit, but uh sometimes I got to make sure I have the patience. You know it's not going to happen like maybe it has been over the last few years quickly it's going to take some time so i got to have pages on my part but i really think the communication part of it is uh, going to be very important
2: yeah well and it's it's that age i mean a kid from 16 to 19 can be forget about being a totally different hockey player can almost be a
0: totally different person you can't you can change it can change overnight like that and, and uh you know and that, that's why i say it. i think it's important we got a lot of guys we got a lot of resources with with uh with the oilers and, and the organization to uh to talk to people if kids if kids need to talk to if they can't come to the coaches we have lots of resources where people can communicate um so hopefully with all the all that stuff that uh, we should be hopefully find and, and, and have an easy transition.
2: Well, I want to talk more, too, about uh, you know the, the, the style of play. Obviously, the, I think the game's uh, shifting a little bit at the NHL level, and mm-hmm. that obviously creates trends in junior hockey sure. as well. We'll get into that when we get back. Brad Lauer is with us, new head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings on Inside Sports. <laughs>
3: This is Mike Riley from Edmonton Eskimos and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet.
2: tuning in tonight, Brad Lauer is in studio. He's the new head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Remember, all tickets for their home games go on sale tomorrow at 10oilkings.ca to uh, check out the schedule and decide which games you would like to attend. Brad, again, thanks a lot for, for coming in. It's good to see you. I mean, man, there was a, a lot of talk in the NHL over the past couple of seasons about you know the speed of the game, speed of the game, moving the puck. It's funny you mentioned that maybe you know your Tampa team last year lost to Washington because Washington just was able to play a little heavier than you guys so yeah. you you still need that mix, that mix but but in terms of that speed of the game i mean as a coach and it's 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 in the WHL too, it's not the yeah. NHL you know as a coach how do you make sure that 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 pace is present, and players are, are pushing it as much as they can.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, that every coach wants to play the game fast, and that—that's the big thing. Is and me for me for, for being a fast team. If you want to be a fast team, um, it's about supporting the puck quick on the defensive zone. I kind of want outnumber quick, um, and then get in the transition. And and in today's game, uh, you you got to have the D in the rush. And if you can play D zone fast, that means you're going to be on offense, and you got to get your D involved and and. Uh, and then obviously on, on the attack in the O zone, there, there's lots of movement now. You're not, the D aren't just sitting on the blue line. They're very active now in the league. Um, I mean, they're very good skaters now in, in, in this league where you, you can be active like that because they can recover so well. Um, so for, for me, uh, playing fast is just supporting the puck quick and, and being ready to go on transition. And then in the offensive zone, it's just about lots of movement and, and, and support and, and shot volume and retrievals. Yeah, well, yeah.
2: <laughs> Sean, volume <laughs> always helps, right? Yeah. yeah, well, well, and and you brought up support too, and and I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, talk about the stretch passes, and sometimes mm-hmm. teams will just fire it from their own end, and. Hope it hits somebody on the way in at, at the other blue line to avoid the icing. I know you want to be more controlled than that, but yeah. But the quick, the the shorter passes are are the ones you want to get going with, don't you?
0: It, it is, and 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 one thing we did in in Tampa, um, which maybe is a little bit of not the norm, I I would think. Um, even if we did have the stretch pass, and you were able to hit the guy up top, um, a lot of times he didn't have support. But we we allowed we allowed that player to actually bring the puck towards our end and then wait for support. And then he would have su- he'd have the quick little passes and the shares or the chips to the support where we would have numbers um, to support the puck instead of sometimes when you, when you do the stretch pass, he has no support and then you're looking just to chip it in and then you're giving the puck back up. So um, a lot of things we did in Tampa was about puck control. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have time and space, we wanted you to be make plays um, if you have that ability uh, to do it, you've got the time. You're, you, you know, we, we allow you to do it. We, we, we encourage our guys to, to make plays, um, but we also encourage the guys that are around them to support those plays too so it's not going to have to pass through three guys or four guys. We're doing little chips to support, and, and, I, and I think that's a big part of, of the game now. Yeah. Well,
2: uh, I mean, it worked for the Lightning, sir. Yeah. <laughs> certainly uh, last year. I know you wanted to go one more round, but yeah. you guys uh, had, had, a, had a heck of a team. Uh, coming to the WHL now, uh, you know, you're back on the bus, and uh, the schedule's a little. I know they shortened the, the season a, a yeah. little bit yeah. to give more practice time, but, uh, like, do you have. Uh, like, do you have this practice schedule, and I know you 're going to change it on the way, but do you yeah. have the ideal practice schedule mapped out all the way through the season? Well, right? How we, far ahead do you go you
0: know we're, we 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 've gone quite a ways i mean we booked our ice already for the season um we 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 do have a, a plan in place, obviously. The first month in the bid is going to be, we have some really good weeks where we just play on weekends and we mm-hmm. have the whole week. We'll have a day off and then we'll practice four days. So we have, some, we have some really good days where we can get a lot done. And that's like any team, I guess, at the start of the season. Um, you'll have those days. Um, so, I mean, you can really, on, on those practice days, you can really um, specialize, whether it's uh, specialty teams, whether it's a power play day or a penalty kill day. So you can really focus on just your, your team specifics um, and, and really get into your, your systems, what you want to do. And obviously, as the season goes, I mean, you know, uh, sometimes rest is a weapon. You just got to ma- you just have to manage that. Um, I know some, in the NHL we have the four and they had the four uh, mandate days yep. every month, and um, even teams took more than that off just because of travel. So, obviously, this is different this year for me. So I have to make sure I um, you know manage that and making sure that uh, when when the rest is needed, we we take the rest. But uh, the practice days will are already scheduled and we kind of have an idea of which, which way we're going with them. Coaches didn't get those
2: days off by what well, in the NHL, because <laughs> so I'm sure you know. Coaches don't get those days, no. <laughs> how, much, uh, how much time do you spend on special teams in, in practice?
0: Uh, every day. Yeah, you always do something? Yeah, yeah every day. Um, sometimes it might just be breakouts. We might run four or five different breakouts, um, go through those, and then some, some of it might just be real simple rotation in the ozone as far as uh, you know, talk about lot for, uh, for, for my terminology we talk about shot volume and retrieval mm-hmm. so um, we just might work on doing the shot volume, uh, getting pucks to the net like just for power play stuff? Just for yeah. power play, conversion to the net, looking for those second or third opportunities uh, so you can really break it down um, you d- when you run power play it doesn't mean you just do breakouts and do full ice, it, it can just really be uh, specific, like just on one day might be breakouts next day might be in zone stuff and then the next day might be full ice uh, against penalty killers right. so, so I, I, think, I think it's a big part of the game, I think mm-hmm. penalty Kills the special teams are a big part of the game. I think they have to be touched on um, every day, as, as I do think D zone too. I think D zone uh, D zone play is very important. If you can get out of your zone quick, that obviously means you're going to have the puck a lot more in the offense.
2: Well, Brad, uh, I, I really appreciate you coming in. Uh, you know, we look forward to having you as Oil Kings coach, uh, and uh, you know, hopefully the team starts building back up again. Obviously, they had a three or four year run where yeah. uh, that was pretty incredible. I have a standard question I ask ex players, and I'm going to. Okay. Submit you to this. Okay. Uh, you played 323 NHL games. Uh, who is the best player you ever played with, and who is the best player you ever played against?
0: Ooh, okay. Well, best player I probably played against or with. Obviously, Mario Lemieux. I've been very fortunate. I was pretty, able to, pretty easy one there. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, I look at that team that we had in Pittsburgh, and I mean, I wasn't there for the full season, but I mean, we there was a heck of a team with Ron Francis and Mario Lemieux and Yammer Yager and. Tom Barrasso and I mean the list goes on and on it was a great great talent on that team um obviously against I mean played against Wayne uh <laughs> early in my career uh you know seen a few minuses in there but um those I mean obviously those are one of the those are the top two uh players I think of the in the, in the game when I was playing
2: yeah I guess from your era uh, late 80s yeah. into the 90s yeah. it's uh... Those are pretty yeah. too, pretty too uh, safe bets. And I, 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 I told you during the commercial, you couldn't yeah. say Rob Brown.
0: Yeah, no. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I, yeah, I know we kept that out. But I mean, uh, you know, as a coach right now, I mean, if I was like coaching now that guys playing, I mean, uh, obviously the Oilers, Connor McDavid is one of the. One of the most impressive guys as a coach to sit on the bench and and, and watch him make plays against your well,
2: team. Well, he got guys. four goals against you guys. He, did. he
0: even tricked Kunitz into scoring <laughs> one for him. He did. He did. I tell you, that kid is very special. And, and it, it it is. It's funny because when you're coaching, you're you're sitting there and you end up you end up watching him. And you've and seen what he's doing. you just, and you come in between periods. and look at the coach and said, "You see that play he made? It was just incredible." So, he's one of the best guys in the game, too. Right on today's game.
2: Uh, Brad Lauer, coach of the Oil Kings. Tickets on sale tomorrow. Go to oilkings.ca. Brad, we'll keep in touch. Thanks for doing this. We'll do. Thanks for having me. Coming up to the 7:30 news, uh, we're still going to get to my interview with Jake DeBrusque. man He had a great season for the Bruins. He's skating at the Perry Pern Camp at the Knights of Columbus Arena, and we'll have some fun as well with Evil Roller Derby all ahead in the next half hour.
0: You're listening to
1: 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins.
2: Well, that was great to have Brad Lauer in studio, head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Tickets for all their home games on sale at 10 tomorrow morning. You can go to oilkings.ca training camp starting on Saturday with uh, the rookie games and uh, it'll continue through to the uh, 29th of August. The inner squad game will be uh, Wednesday at 7. Uh, Oil Kings will have their rookie camp and their main camp at the uh, downtown community arena. Rookie camp the 25th, 26th, main camp 27th to 29th. 80 prospects will be attending the Oil Kings rookie camp. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. We'll get to Jake DeBrusque with a couple of minutes. Uh, in a couple of minutes, talk to him earlier today. He's at the Perry Pern 3-on-3 camp at the Knights of Columbus Arena. You can text 630 630. Here is a text from Gail, who says "Read it is going to happen this year. Eskimos sweep the Labor Day home and home with the Stampeders. How about that? There's the bold prediction of the night on Inside Sports. I did put on my uh, Twitter account earlier today, and the voting closes in about seven or eight minutes. The Eskimos are six and three. Next three games at Hamilton, at Calgary, home to Calgary. What will their record be after that stretch? Well, I can tell you it is still tied. 41% say eight and four, 41% say seven and five, 9% say nine and three, and another 9%. Uh, saying that the Eskimos will not win a game in that stretch and be uh, six and six. That's a tough stretch of games. Hamilton doesn't have a uh, great record, but I think they have a good team. Well, that sounded dumb. But what am I trying to say there, Kellen? I, I still think they're a dangerous team, at, even though it's that three they're and five. a very very a- good and team, regardless of even if they were one and eight or one and seven. They, they had a win against the Eskimos earlier where they mm-hmm. absolutely booted the Eskimos around. So I, I you know you got to deal with this first before you get to the Calgary home and home. Uh, Riley's having a great season. Player of the week once again in the CFL. I think he's the leading candidate for most outstanding player to this point. Uh, Joshua texting and he says uh, so. Reed, uh, hey Reed, Secra gets hurt. Upshaw signs a PTO. The team signs a defenseman to a one year deal. But Oilers general manager Peter Shirelli can't make himself available to the media in Edmonton. If this happens in any other NHL city, that GM is doing a conference call within 24 to 48 hours. Peter Shirelli loves to hide. He makes it hard here for the media to do their job, in my opinion. Uh, But I could be wrong. Can you help me out with this? Am I wrong thinking on this? That is a text from uh, Joshua. Well, uh, I I will say, I mean, look, I, I work in the media and I don't want to make this about uh, myself because I, I I know you just want to listen to the show. I don't think you want to hear how I put the show together. You just want to hear the show. But as a member of the media, and if, if Joshua was going to ask me, I mean, yeah, sure, I wish everybody did interviews more often. I wish Mike Riley came in for half an hour every night, and, uh, you know, then... Uh I don't know. Derek Jeter did half an hour <laughs> or, or, or whatever. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, my experience with Peter Shirelli over three years is this, and I, I don't really know the guy personally, and I and I don't care to be his his friend or anything like that. Uh, I I don't think Peter Shirelli. I, I don't th- I don't think he dislikes the media. I think he obviously recognizes that we're there. We're a conduit for him to talk to the fans. But I think Peter Shirelli is one of those personalities where he doesn't think talking to the media helps the team win. And, and I suppose in that way, he's right. Uh, I think, you know, we'd like to hear from him a little more often. Um, he does talk at the key times of years, uh, before and after the trade deadline. You know, he talks around the draft. Uh, he was on with Bob, I think, two or three weeks ago, going into the uh, the Center Ice Hockey Summit they had as part of the Halenka gretzky Cup. Um, but, I, you know, he's he's not he hasn't necessarily been uh, overly engaging my experience uh, with members of the media Uh, a couple occasions maybe I've had a bit of a casual chat with him um, but it hasn't happened a lot Todd McClellan is very approachable unless you know he's in a rush to get out or they're traveling. He's he's pretty approachable after his media availability. If you need to go up and clarify something or maybe you just have a question off, off the record or something that you didn't necessarily want to bring up while he was on mic, but but you just want to maybe get his take on something. Um, I don't think Shirelli is available for that same sort of connection. I don't think he's interested in that same sort of connection. I think that's his personality and that's his approach to the job. Uh, And I don't don't, don't want to come across as as whiny like this or or anything like that. That's how he does the job. Uh, If the GM talks, great. He'll be on the talk show. If if he doesn't talk, I I can still do a show that hopefully is effective. And I'm sure some of the things... Now, also at this time of year, I don't know where Peter Shirelli is. If he's traveling or with family and he's doing this stuff while he's trying to have a bit of a holiday too. Uh, But, you know, fair question from Joshua... Um, I think every general manager, every coach, every personality is going to be a little different in terms of how they speak publicly and the importance they place on it. Uh, again, I, I, if I were to sum it up with Peter Shirelli, I think he's the type of mind where he would say, I don't see how speaking to the media regularly helps us win. I, I, I know Brad Living talks to Flames media uh, more often than uh, Shirelli does here. Uh, Eskimos general manager... Um, Brock Sunderland is, is pretty available in Edmonton whenever there's a request and that's been nice. Obviously Jason Moss, the head coach of the Eskimos, uh, does a half hour show on this station once a week, which is pretty cool. I, I think Shirelli is of a different mind about it. Joshua, I don't know if I answered your question, uh, but that's that, that, that's that, that's my, uh, my take on it. And again, do I wish he talked more? Yes. But I also think it's a waste of my energy to act mad or act offended about it. Because I got a job to do uh, job to do, regardless. You can text 630 630. The uh, phone number is 780 496 0063. This guy talked to me today, had a great season with the Boston Bruins. He's from Edmonton, Jake DeBrusk. Here's DeBrusk going wide, drops the shoulder, shoots, he scores! Well Jake, when you when you look back to a year ago everything that's happened in your career since then I mean does it does this summer feel different does it feel different going into the year or do you still feel like no no I got a, I got a lot to prove I, I still
3: got to prove uh you know I guess still got to go with a make the team type attitude yeah I think that there's a bit of both but obviously you know starting with that uh making the team attitude and kind of coming in and um you know still it's going to be my second year but still you know act like a rookie and do little things that um help me get to that level and um the only way where it's different is I'm kind of more comfortable with it. Everybody and obviously um, the coaching staff and kind of the whole training camp schedule. Um, it's my third or fourth year now doing it, so um, kind of know what to expect and at the same time I uh, want to prove myself and want to kind of lead off where I ended off of uh, last season. There
2: are certain
3: rivalries in sports that
2: when you say those two teams, they, they, they mean a little more, whether it's Lakers, Celtics, Oilers, Flames. Bruins Maple Leafs original six teams the, the history of the, the you know the, the series from a few years ago and then obviously your first playoff experience Boston
3: Toronto and it goes game seven what was it like being part of that yeah, just playoff hockey in general was something that you always dream about as a kid, and um, I remember going to playoff games here in Edmonton back in '06, and um, just that atmosphere was crazy. And um, you know, I remember still this day, first time stepping out on the ice for game one of the playoffs at home, and thankfully it was at home. It was going crazy, and um, everything just so intense and amplified, and it's, it's really like pretty special. And um, you know, there's lots of things that you can take and try to learn from but at the same time there's so many mood swings and it going to seven was even crazier I mean I've never been more nervous before a game in my life and um it's do or die but at the same time it's also one that like I said before you kind of dream about playing in and obviously went really well for our team and me as well so um it was a very special moment obviously being in the first year and getting past the first round we haven't done that in a while but the rivalry between the original six teams Toronto Boston it's uh, a lot of hype around it and uh you know it's uh, pretty much you know two of the best teams in the division kind of going at it in the first round so it was uh, it was a battle and um it's gonna be a battle this year as well well and you got by toronto and you mentioned the division and then i mean it's tampa bay waiting for you i mean i guess
2: it just shows you can have such a great season and there's always somebody maybe having a little better season it's so hard to get over the hump at the, at that time of year
3: yeah i mean with the moves that other teams have made and um you know it's kind of one of those things that you look at as a as a player on the team and um, try to match up with, but in saying that last year we weren't even supposed to make the playoffs as a team, so um, a lot can happen in a year, and hopefully things go well for us. But you know we're pushing to, you know, be where we were last year, one point out of first place, and um, we're gonna try to get that again, try to be around that area, and. Um, do some damage in the playoffs. I think once you get in the dance, um, it's anybody's game, and it's one of those things where um, I think that we're deeper than people people think, especially on the back end. And um, you know, obviously with good net it helps a lot. What did you learn about scoring goals in the NHL last year, as opposed to scoring, you know, maybe
2: in, in junior?
3: Um, it's a different feeling, that's for sure. It's uh, it, it's. I would say, yeah, I would say probably just the feeling of it going in is awesome. But but was it is it is it a different yeah. method of doing it? Um, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's different shots, different kind of angles. I mean goalies now they're six foot five or six foot four, and if they're set in the net and you're trying to be them clean, it's got to be a perfect shot. So um, I had a couple shots that I actually went in. But most of my goals are pretty much in tight, which um, usually have been in the past. Um, but, yeah, nowadays it's pretty much just trying to get, you know, quick move maybe if you're in tight and raise the puck. And, uh, like I said, they're pretty big, so there's not a lot in that. So whatever you see, you pretty much shoot at. All right, and finally,
2: w- when you got that first goal and you saw the video of your dad yeah. getting all emotional, uh, what,
3: what, what was your reaction to that? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, – I actually was told about that intermission. Um I was kind of shocked, to be honest. I, I've never seen him cry. Um, obviously, you knows a tough guy. And um, really cool family moment, obviously, being everyone was there. And um, – yeah, it was pretty funny, and he was getting tripped for it a while, so um, didn't mind that either. Great stuff
2: there from Jake DeBrusque. He's going to be one to watch for the Boston Bruins this season. Last year as a rookie, 16 goals, 43 points in seven, uh, 70 games. Playoffs, 6 goals in 12 games two in game 7 against the Leafs we played one for you there before uh, before the interview started 14th overall in 2015 uh, I think he's a pretty good guy did you had you have Jake DeBrusk in your keeper hockey league If you do, you might be uh, looking good for the next few years. It is 7.45 inside sports on 6.30. Chad, Blue Jays in the top of the ninth, leading the Baltimore Orioles 8-2. We've uh, covered a lot today. We've had a little bit on the Edmonton Eskimos. They're getting ready for Hamilton. We've had some Oilers chat. We've had the Oil Kings head coach in studio. Well, how about this? We'll have some fun with a little roller derby discussion. Big weekend coming up for the Evil Dead. What a great name. That's when we get back.
0: is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins
1: on Edmonton Sports Leader 630
2: Chan. Oh, little Vincent Fernier. Is he not performing at the Duke on Thursday? Is that a thing? I believe he is. I believe Alice Cooper's uh, at the uh, Northern Alberta Jubilee Auditorium on Thursday night. Are you going? No, that's the first I've heard of it. Well, (laughs) I'll give you the night off if you can get tickets. (laughs) Have you ever seen Alice Cooper live? Uh, yes, I have. I, I saw him saw when he
1: opened for Motley Crue a couple of years ago. So. I,
2: I saw him uh, in the summer of 1999 when mm-hmm. I was uh, working, at, well, I did my practicum at Global Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. He played Sask Place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How's that place fun for a concert? Show. Fun show. I don't remember. <laughs> 19 years ago, the show was fun. It was fine. Love Alice Cooper. Uh, it is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Shed. my name is Reed Wilkins. It is 7.50. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. We have the Eskimos at the Tiger Cats on Thursday, 4 o'clock for the pregame show. The game will start at 5.30. I mentioned all the uh, topics we've had on the show. How could I forget? We had uh, reigning world figure skating champion Caitlin Osmond on the show. The Edmontonian has decided to take a year off from competition. That's on top of everything else we have talked about. And we are about to add a roller derby to the as Jessica Cross joins us from the Evil Dead, Jessica, how have you been?
1: I'm good, Reed. Thank you.
2: It is great to have you on the show again. Uh, obviously, a lot going on for you guys. I want to I want to get into that uh, in a minute, but I, I guess I should clarify. Uh, it is Evil Roller Derby, and that and that's several teams, right?
1: Yes. So that's the name of our league, and then the Evil Dead is our team that's traveling this weekend to Omaha.
2: Okay. How how many teams do you have in the in the league now?
1: We have 3 house teams and then one all-star travel team and then a B team as well.
2: Okay, so uh, obviously uh, it's been pretty steady now for uh, for quite a while. Um, are, are you uh, like are you bringing in new skaters every year or how's that going?
1: Yes, we uh, we're always recruiting. We have a dedicated new skater practice on Thursday nights where anyone can come check it out, borrow gear if they want to and We're
2: always accepting new skaters. Okay. And, I mean, Jessica, I don't mind telling people, you and I know each other uh, personally through, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess, we're acquaintances would be the way to put it. Uh, So we talk every now and then, and I've Mm -hmm. seen you play and compete. And I know when a lot of people hear roller derby, they think, well, isn't that, like, fake? Isn't it made up like wrestling? Like, this is definitely not fake. Like, this is highly competitive when you're out there.
1: No, it's uh, very real. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that's short and sweet with your answer it is very real uh, have you ever been injured?
1: Um, I have n- not been injured I'm very lucky
2: you're usually the one doing the injuring I've seen you play uh, <laughs> now your, your name when it comes to your, your competing is Tron mm-hmm. I know you have a player named Shania Payne which I think we might do. be the best all time T- <laughs> tell me how, how the names uh, work because you have to be uh, very specific choosing a name don't you?
1: Um, it used to be way more when it was a smaller community, um, They're jubile hits for pretty highly frowned upon, but it's just grown so big that it's kind of a free for all now these days.
2: Okay, so there it's might be double so hard names to keep out track there. Of. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, interesting stuff. So uh, you, you, the Evil, the Evil Dead, the Traveling Team is mm-hmm. going to the International Women's Flat Track Derby Association Continental Cup North America West. Okay, I I love your sport. That title's too long, but anyway, <laughs>
1: it's such a mouthful. Yeah,
2: they should just call it the Continental <laughs> Cup or something. Uh, this is coming up this weekend in Omaha, Nebraska. How mm-hmm. do you get into this? This is a big deal.
1: Um, we had to rank high enough in our region to be invited, so we are ranked, I think we're ranked around 45 right now, so uh, in the world, and so after the top 25 or so teams go to the Division One playoffs, then the next um, dozen teams in each region are going to play for a cup.
2: Okay, so this is pretty cool. Now, how many, so you're 45th in the world out of how many?
1: Uh, over about 400. Oh, wow. Okay,
2: so you, you've really come a long way because it wasn't yeah. always that. I assume you weren't ranked that high a few years ago.
1: No, we weren't. We only entered this ranking system a couple of years ago. Uh, I think we debuted in the low 100s range, around like one one something, and then we um, got up to the, about the 60s at the end of last year. We got to go to a playoff. At the end of last year, and then this year we've we've gone up even more.
2: Okay, uh, I I got to ask you this, and because maybe there's there, there's somebody out there that that, that wants to help. Uh, I mean, you're you're traveling, you do travel for other events, you you try to take on the best competition possible. Uh, you're you're certainly not doing this to to be millionaires, Jessica, unless I'm totally <laughs> unaware of a salary structure. Uh, I mean, do you do you have do you have sponsors? Do you have people who step in and help, or how does that all work?
1: We do a lot of just like fundraising on our own through various means and um, just like pretty small stuff. I don't. We don't really have any big sponsors right now.
2: Okay. So there you go. How can people, do you have a Facebook page and a website if people want we to help? We
1: do, yes. You can find us on Evil Roller Derby uh, on Facebook. That's probably the best way to get a hold of someone quickly. If you are interested in like asking about sponsorship opportunities or even how can you join, you can reach us there.
2: Okay. Now, when you it starts Friday, you guys want leaving tomorrow or Thursday for Nebraska?
1: We're, we're leaving at seven a.m. on Thursday morning.
2: Okay, great. Well, set your alarm. Uh, <laughs> well, this this is awesome. Please text me updates of uh, of how you're doing. Let me ask I this: will. you you've been involved for several years, Jessica. What's What's been the the most rewarding thing for you uh, for being part of Evil Roller Derby? Um, I
1: think just. Seeing it grow from something that I wasn't sure would be just a fad um, into something, like, very just, like, sustainable and international. And I don't know, just how it's developed over time.
2: Okay. Well, awesome stuff. Jessica, thank you for doing this interview. Thanks for the update. Go get them in uh, Omaha, and we'll talk to you you again soon. That is Jessica Cross uh, competes under the name Tron for Evil Roller Derby for the Evil Dead. I, I, I love I, I love talking to that team. They, they, they work so hard. They've done such a great job building themselves up. And uh, they're going to this Continental Cup in Nebraska running Friday through Sunday. Awesome stuff. Got a text here from Eileen who says, I saw Alice Cooper on Boxing Day 1973 at the Montreal Forum. At the end of the show, they beat up Santa Claus. Well, because he deserved it. Traffic note, uh, I don't know what is behind this. This texture simply says, avoid the high-level bridge and 109th Street north of the bridge. All right, well, maybe we can get some more information on that. You can also call our newsroom, 780-466-NEWS. Fun show. Thanks to everybody who texted and called in. Uh, you can get more on the Eskimos, of course, in their upcoming game and Riley's Baby on 630Ched.com. Not Riley's Baby, not Rosemary's Baby. Big difference. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of the show. <laughs> Do you think there's a generation of people who don't know about the movie *Rosemary's Baby*? Go, go Google it, kids. Use your phone and Google it. Well, no, I'm not saying watch it so you're terrified before bed. Just find out about it. Kellan Kennedy's the studio producer. My name is is Reed Wilkins. I'm Louise's baby, and I'm not
0: possessed. I'll talk to you tomorrow.